We are live at Radio Row at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. Ed's gone. He's got to go talk to the Chiefs or something like that. He's got to get on a media shuttle that's going to take him out to Lake Las Vegas where there may or may not be coyotes biting people. But joining us now from Front Office Sports is Daniel Kaplan. Good morning, Daniel. Thanks for joining us. I thought he was going to the pool at the Westin out. He, he should. Yeah. He should be hanging out. He's just lying to us. That is what he's going to do. He's <laughs> gonna, he doesn't have to talk to anybody. Uh, so Daniel's with us from Front Office Sports. Daniel, there's a couple things that I want to talk to you about because I've read some of the stuff you've written about it. The main thing is regional sports networks in our pro sports here uh, because we've seen, obviously, with uh, Bally's and what's happened with different regional sports networks. We're now seeing the Golden Knights here in Vegas had to basically create their own regional sports network after they lost uh, AT&T Sportsnet. If we just sort of go general big picture, what do you think happens five years from now to regional sports network? Like, what's the future of how I watch regular season games and basketball, hockey, and baseball? Well, it's going to be different team to team. And you mentioned Bally's, and everyone is, has, has kicked dirt on the Bally's grave. Uh, and remarkably, still they, here. there's a resurrection. <laughs> it's, it's almost it's a biblical miracle, almost. Uh, Bally's cut a deal with Amazon, and that seems to have uh, resuscitated them. They now expect to go beyond 2024. They, they just, they, they're keeping their Major League Baseball deals with nine of the teams. Three of them, they uh, reached a deal for this season. Um, so there, there is hope for regional sports networks now it's it's going to have to come with a streaming plan uh you'll, yeah. ha, you'll you can't just a regional sports channel can't just have the linear network you have to have a streaming ch channel now bally's poured tons of money over the last couple of years into that it, w it went belly up they filed for bankruptcy they're now getting out from underneath all that debt and they'll move forward with amazon as their streaming partner so that does look promising for for those rsns so I guess when, when we look at, okay, I'd put it this way. Of our sports leagues, from a consumer standpoint, Major League Soccer, phenomenal. Because you can get Apple TV and you can watch all of it. You don't have to worry about blackouts through the Apple TV package on MLS. But Major League Soccer basically told all their teams, make sure your RSN deals end by a certain date so we right. can do this. Is there any chance that happens in the NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, or is it going to be just sort of a random collection of different teams having different deals and then Major League Baseball selling national rights to Peacock or Apple or ESPN or Fox? Like, is there any hope for those leagues that we get some sort of everything is in one place? Even if you have to pay for it, everything's in one place. Well, well Major League Baseball created a, a local media unit, and that was, that was the hope. And that's why they've been so viciously fighting with Bally's for the last couple of years. I, I'm not going to bore the, the <laughs> listeners with it, but uh, let's just say the head of Bally's and the head of Major League Baseball, Bob Manfred, aren't exchanging Christmas <laughs> cards. Um, so Major League Baseball, that was their plan. And they, they know the blackouts are a big, big problem. And it's one of the first complaints uh, fans have about watching Major League Baseball. But the, you, you have Bally's coming back to life. You have the big teams with their own regional sports channels like the Mets right. and the Yankees uh, and the Red Sox and the, and the Nationals. And they're not going to give those up to go into some centralized baseball uh, portal like, like their out-of-market rights are at, at MLB.tv. So I, it would be nice to have one go-to destination to say, you know, to watch your team out-of-market or in-market, but I, that's not going to happen. Because, yeah, like, I'm a Houston Astros fan. 
and I watch way too many of their games. But my problem that I run into is that six teams in Vegas are blacked out if I buy MLB.tv. So I have to have MLB.tv, but then I also have to have, to have DirecTV because anytime they play the Angels, I have to have DirecTV. And then they have three games a year on Apple TV and three games a year on Peacock, and it ends up on I got four different subscriptions to watch my favorite team play, and I don't expect that to change anytime soon. Hell, it'll probably be five or six in the you next You must five really years. love the Astros. I do. It's a problem. You, yeah. my, my real issue is the 2020 COVID year. There was nothing else to do. They only played a 60-game season, and I was like, I'm just at home. I might as well watch every game they play. And then I was, and now I'm like still in the mindset of, well, might as well watch every game well, they play. You, it's it's a it's a problem. You could become a Met fan like me, and then you don't <laughs> care about watching every game. <laughs> That's true. They're too good too. They're too good for for all this as well. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about: the A's are presumably moving to Las Vegas. Definitely not a done deal yet, but presumably they're coming here. And s- sort of general big picture on that question for you as well: Does it make sense to you? Does it make sense that the A's are moving out of one of the top 10 media markets to come to the 40th or 41st, whatever we are at the moment, media market? And, yes, they got public money, but it was 380 not like 750 that the Raiders got. Do you think this all makes sense for the A's at the end of the day? It, you know, look, it didn't really make sense for the NFL to leave the, the Bay Area market. Uh, I mean, it's working out for the Raiders. There was a tremendous subsidy, and you have a, you have a limited number of games. And baseball, I I don't think it makes sense. Uh, you you've got they're, they're getting a limited subsidy. There's a, 81 home dates they have to fill. Uh, it's it's only so, so the market's only so big. You you can't you can't expect fans to travel from the Bay Area to Vegas for 81 home dates. I mean they they, they make it for the Raiders. They're going to make a make a trip of it for two or three games, and you get you know you're getting towards halfway yeah. half of the season, but. I, I don't see it with the A's. It's been like it's been incredible here. The the biggest takeaway I have from it is nobody here supports it. Like it's incredible to me that people here are not nobody's on board with it. When the Raiders were coming, there was plenty of criticism, me included, about uh, why we giving them seven hundred and fifty million dollars and all of that. But there were a lot of people that were cheerleaders, supportive, wanted the Raiders here. I love baseball. The Astros are in the A's division. They come here. I'm going to go watch those games in person. But it's still just incredibly. There's like no support for this. Like, a, look, the A's are a Mickey Mouse organization. Yeah. <laughs> They've got no place to play after this season. They're talking about playing in a minor league park in Salt Lake or wherever the heck they're going to be. I mean, I, it's amazing. It's a big four sports team that's homeless. Yeah, will we'll be after this season. It, that kind of operation is that what you really want in Vegas? Are you surprised at all? at how much Major League Baseball has sort of allowed this to happen this way, where they they might be playing in Sacramento for three years. Like, that's not a deal. Are you surprised Major League Baseball is kind of, they've waived a relocation fee, like that they've sort of just sat back and let John Fisher do what he wants? It's terrible mismanagement. Uh, they should be putting pressure on Fisher to sell the team. Uh, they should be threatening to hold back revenue sharing, doing whatever they can to put pressure on them. I mean, that's 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 what frustrates all these other teams is that they're they're supporting the A's through revenue sharing. And in the NFL, they when there was revenue sharing was a big question in the early two aughts. They the league 
they didn't cut it off, but they put certain parameters on it to make it more challenging after several years to keep collecting it. You've got teams in Major League Baseball like the A's that just co essentially are collecting welfare checks every year from the other teams, and they don't have they don't they're not losing money. Put put some herd in Fisher's wallet. That's what they should have been doing. For force them to either come up with money to build a stadium in Oakland or sell the team. There, I mean, the, the the Bay Area is littered with billionaires and millionaires. Come on, you you could have gotten that done. It is kind of insane if you step back and think that somebody's getting revenue share while being in the Bay Area market, and especially when you compare it to what the Dodgers do in the same state and how much money they're spending, to what the Padres have done recently and how much they've spent on players and how little the A's actually do. It's it's insane that it's happening and that they're now trying to get out of it to come to Vegas. It, it, it's a disgrace in Major League Baseball. I'm sure they'll say, look, we don't own the teams. We can only do so much, but... When you're you're cutting a revenue sharing check every year to that team, and it's it's I don't know I don't know the figure, but it's substantial. It's it's probably its biggest revenue stream they have. That's that's ridiculous. Uh, so for Super Bowl week, what are you what are you looking forward to? What's the what's the biggest story you're looking to find out out here? Well, the commissioner's press conference was big yesterday. Uh, the fact they excluded some journalists from from the event and wait, who got excluded? I, I must have missed the exclusion. This was an invitation-only event. Oh, uh, they right in years past. You just you just showed up. It was on. It was with all, your credential. You were good to go. You were good to go. It, actually, it wasn't listed on the official list of events. <laughs> if you go to the app and look at the official list of events for Monday, the commissioner's press conference is not on it. So they excluded uh, Mike Florio from PFT. Oh, okay. Um, Don Van Atta from ESPN. Yeah. Um, Jim Trotter, who's actually suing the NFL from the yes, from the Athletics, yes. so that that's an asterisk. But I completely missed that. I did not realize that yesterday. So he, so I wrote a piece about it this morning, and I, I what I, my takeaway from the press conference was Roger Goodell. It was the most relaxed I'd seen him. Because <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, he didn't ha he didn't have his antagonizers there. I mean, there are some hard questions, but right. But it was the press conference was held in the Las Vegas Raiders locker room, so it was a limited crowd. Um, it was a much more easygoing atmosphere as opposed to a big ballroom where he's, he's up on a stage and he's in a suit and he gets prickly and testy. That didn't happen yesterday. He 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 was engaging. I mean he 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 he, he didn't answer some questions as he as right. he'd want to do. But he he didn't get as defensive as he normally did. All does. Right. I was not paying enough attention to see that people were excluded from that. That's fun. I uh, I enjoy that part of the story, even though not ideal if you're the NFL. No, I didn't get so. excluded. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> he is Daniel Kaplan from Front Office Sports. Dan, thank you so much. Sure. Uh, we appreciate it. You got it. Coming up next, we're live from Radio Row. We're going to have some more interviews. It's the Press Box, live from Radio Row, brought to you by the Vegas Lawyers, a division of Paul Law. Joining us now from FTN Fantasy, it's Aaron Schatz. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning. Hello. Uh, how are you doing today? It's good to be in your town. I'm having a Is good it? time. It's All a little right. complicated to get around these places. <laughs> but it's definitely, you know, every Super Bowl has its own vibe, but this one definitely has a very different vibe, and it's the sound of slot machines. Oh, it's a good, we got fake slot machines right here. You can't even put money in these slot machines. It, it is really remarkable to think about 20 years ago, the NFL, I think, turned down an ad from the Las Vegas Tourism <laughs> Board, and now we have actual NFL Super Bowl slot machines. Yeah, there's an, there's an actual Las Vegas Tourism commercial for the Super Bowl with Chad Ochocinco dancing around. Yes. In it. Yeah, so it, it changed quite a lot. Um, so there's a couple of things that I want to talk to you about. Uh, one of them 
is aggressive and conservative coaches on fourth down because uh, I know you put out an aggressive index, and the two coaches at the very bottom of that happened to coach the same team last year, Josh McDaniels and Antonio Pierce. And I'm curious from maybe a, like, best-case scenario for Antonio Pierce, do you have any idea how often coaches change significantly on that aggressive index? Well, um, you know, Andy Reid has become more aggressive over time. Uh, Bill Belichick became less aggressive over time, much more conservative than he was in his younger days. I I would love to see Antonio Pierce become more aggressive on fourth down. I know that the response is going to be for the Raiders. The offense is not as good. The defense, at least last year, was better. So trust the defense. Don't go for it. But the fact is that even with the worst offense in the league, which the Raiders don't have, um, going for it on fourth and one usually makes sense so i would love to see pierce get more aggressive i mean you know when in the analytics community when we talk about coaches we concentrate so much on fourth downs obviously there's a lot more that goes into coaching than that when it comes to things like being a motivator of men i think antonio pierce has proven that he's pretty good at that but this is an area that i would like to see him improve and i'm curious about the how much coaches can change because this was his first time being a head coach. In his first game, he challenged an unchallengeable play and lost a timeout, right? Yeah. Like things like that, presumably, he's going to get better at because he's going to do it. He's going to have more than nine games of experience. But I am curious about the fourth down decisions and how much those change because he talks about the Raider way and aggressiveness and all that, right. but then on fourth and short. I mean, the Minnesota game, or excuse me, not the Minnesota game, the Indianapolis game, they punted five times across Minnesota and then kicked a field goal on Terrible. fourth and I think two. Yeah. And that was, they were still in the playoff race. They still win that game. They would still have been alive going into the final week of the season. I mean, my dream archetype of a coach, and I realize he's gotten a lot of you know problems in the media over the last week or two, is Dan Campbell. Yeah. Because what I want is a combination between that aggressive, motivational, let's go bite their kneecaps off, but also when it comes time to make the analytical decision, an understanding of how the analytics work. And Campbell has that, and I would love to see Pierce develop that. I also wanted to ask you about the Kansas City Chiefs this year because um, I'd say my own eye test-wise, it looked like they were offensively running into a wall more than they usually do. Like It's a very high bar. They were still a good offense, but they set themselves a very high bar. How much better have they been in the playoffs than they were in the regular season? I mean, you're not wrong. Right? I mean, um, three of their five best individual games of the year have been the three playoff games by DVOA. And offensively, that's primarily the last two games. Offensively, they were not great against Miami and obviously extenuating circumstances, and it was minus 9,000 degrees. But still, offensively, it's really just been the two games. But they have been much better, and your eyes do not deceive you. We talked about it in the middle of the year that at a certain point we had to accept that this was the Chiefs' offense, that it was not going to be the offensive years past. Now, after the last two games, we're asking ourselves, did we have to accept that? Right, and that, that's the part that, I guess, confuses me, where it's like, did they flip a switch? Is that a real thing? I've never thought, oh, you just flipped the switch. I mean, I and I don't, was- I honestly don't believe in that. I think they yeah. just happen to have two really good games. Uh, one piece of extenuating circumstance may be that at the age of 34, it's better for Travis Kelsey to have a little bit more rest. So he had a little bit more rest for the playoffs, and uh, he'll have an extra week of rest for the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, I think we still learn more from the Chiefs over the whole year than we do from the Chiefs over just the last two weeks. But then there's also the argument that you should look at more than one year, that the sample size we should look at is 
Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game. Like, he wasn't this year. Clearly, he was not the best quarterback in performance this year. But if you asked anybody in the NFL, what quarterback would you want in 2024, the number one name would be Patrick Mahomes because of what he's done in the past before this year. So in that, with that argument, he is better than he was showed during the regular season, and Kansas City is closer to San Francisco than they showed in the regular season. What's the context uh, through DVOA for how much better this Chiefs defense is than what they've had in the past five years with Mahomes? It's not that much better by DVOA. They were seventh in the league on defense, and the last couple years they've been like 14th or 15th. So it's not that much better. I mean, they've looked very good in the playoffs. I mean, shutting down the Baltimore offense was a phenomenal performance because I mean Mahomes didn't do much in the second half of that game right Baltimore should have been able to come back but the Chiefs defense came them down but I don't think the Chiefs have they did not have the best defense in the league certainly during the regular season they were not as good as Baltimore they were not as good as Cleveland they were not as good as the New York Jets Um, they have some weaknesses they're only 16th against slot receivers for example which is a surprise since Trent McDuffie made the all-pro team. (laughs) And whether that's McDuffie is not as good as his reputation or if you put two guys in the slot on either side, McDuffie can only cover one of them, right? It's, it's, It's a weakness. So they do have weaknesses. The other part about Kansas City is during the season... You know, they were, they were still going to make the playoffs. They were, the division wasn't truly in doubt at any point. But one of the things we talked about on this show was a lot about, well, their path is going to be a lot harder. They're not going to necessarily have home games, and who are they going to have to match up with? And I know you've tweeted out about it. How, how hard has the path been for them? So this is based on regular season DVOA. So not adjusting for the fact that Buffalo had a number of injuries and Miami had a number of injuries and whatever. Based on regular season DVOA, we would estimate that your average championship quality team would make it through what the Chiefs have to go through, those four games, 2.4% of the time, (laughs) which would be the hardest path to a Super Bowl title ever, narrowly surpassing the 2007 Giants, who had to play an easier Tampa Bay team in the first round but had to go on the road, whereas Kansas City got to be at home against a harder Miami team. And, the, and they had to play a harder Patriots team, but Kansas City's going to have to beat both Baltimore and San Francisco. Baltimore and San Francisco both ranked among the top 10 teams ever, ever tracked by DVOA in the regular season, like in 43 years of DVOA. So for Baltimore to lose is, I mean, some of the best teams ever have lost in the in the playoffs before they got to the Super Bowl, but it's still sort of shocking. And for Kansas City to beat both Baltimore and San Francisco at the level those two teams played in the regular season is a remarkable, will be a remarkable achievement if they do it. All right, so probability-wise, what happens on Sunday? Like, what what's your expectation for who wins this? I game? have to narrowly favor San Francisco because I do feel like I have to trust the regular season numbers. And San Francisco's offense, even if you think of Kansas City's offense as being, quote-unquote, back, they still wouldn't be as efficient as what San Francisco's offense was this year. And the defenses are roughly equivalent. Kansas City does have a little bit of an uh, advantage in special teams. That may be their clearest advantage in the game. It's not like the most important yeah. thing. But it's the clearest place where Kansas City is clearly better than San Francisco. 
But I think I have to favor San Francisco a little bit. But it's a very close game. It very clearly could go either way. It would not be seen as a major upset for Patrick Mahomes to win a yes. Super Bowl, <laughs> even though they are two-point underdogs. I, I think I need some kicker DVOA for you because I'm, I'm kind of sort of on a path of trying to get all kicking out of football. Well, at this point, it's funny because our special teams numbers are uh, the range from the best to the worst is much smaller than it used to be because kickoffs are basically pointless. Yes. There's no value to be had in kickoffs or kickoff returns at this point. So when we measure special teams, we're basically only measuring field goals, punts, and punt returns. And I think they're close to remo either removing the kickoff entirely or, I'm hoping, going to the, um, the low-impact kickoff that Sam Schwartzstein invented for the XFL. Yeah. I just... I know it adds some entertainment in terms of uh, things we can argue and complain about with fourth, thousand, or fourth down decisions or uh, field goal versus going for it decisions and stuff, but the fact that football has a play where we got close to scoring and we're going to take half the points by f kicking a field goal, that doesn't happen in other sports. You don't get close to the, well, close to the net in soccer. And yeah, score I mean, half rug goal. rugby has an Australian football. Doesn't Australian football yes, have those, you like, can, you have one point and then six yes. points? and um. But, yeah, I mean, what, you have to think of it mentally. You have to think of a field goal as a failure. Yeah. I, That's one of the things that coaches need to think of in the modern NFL. A touchdown is a success. A field goal is a failure. It's only a partial failure compared to failing completely, <laughs> but it's a failure. You don't want to settle for field goals. Uh, we're in Vegas. Is there anything that you think is a great prop bet? Is there anybody's yardage or anything fun like that? that so here are some of the prop bets that I like. I like Christian McCaffrey as Super Bowl MVP, okay. which most places I believe is about 450. Yep. And I like Brandon Ayuk, who should be about 5,000. And I like George Kittle for 8,000. Okay. My opinion is that the people who will be voting on Super Bowl MVP, which is the part of the press that sits in the regular press box. Not the auxiliary. Not the box. auxiliary. I'm in the auxiliary. I think I am, too. I'm in the weird position of that I vote for regular season MVP, <laughs> but I don't have a vote for Super Bowl MVP. Um, I think people are going to be looking for a reason to give it to someone other than Purdy if San Francisco wins because of the general feeling that Purdy is lifted by his teammates. Yep. So especially McCaffrey or like a, a parlay with McCaffrey scoring two touchdowns and winning MVP, I think is a really good prop bet. What is um, – okay, all right. I, I, like the, I, I like the idea behind that a lot. What is better for Purdy to win MVP? Is it – play a really good like regular season Purdy play a really good game and you win by 20 points or what we've seen in the last two games where he's not very good but all right we need a touchdown we're down four I'm gonna have my best drive of the game I think because of the fact that they collect the votes for MVP before the game oh, is over that's a good point that's a good point the better thing is for Purdy to have a really good game where he distributes the ball so it's not all McCaffrey or all Ayuk yeah. or all George Kittle so that because that would give you an excuse to vote for one of those guys for MVP. He needs to distribute the ball between the receivers. But, yeah, remember they vote before the last drive. Point. So if he has a game-winning drive to win MVP, he really needs to have it, like, with five minutes left, not with <laughs> one minute left. Well, he is Aaron Schatz from FTN Fantasy. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. We Thanks for having it. me. FTNFantasy.com slash DVOA is where you find all my stuff. Big preview coming up tomorrow. Thanks, Aaron. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Ryan Wallace. Jared's looking at me like we're not talking to Ryan Wallace, so find out next with me. Sunday, the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas
Varsity Chiefs meet in Super Bowl 58. Hi, this is Scott Graham. Join me and the rest of our Westwood One crew from Las Vegas for all the action. The Chiefs are trying to defend their title and win a third Lombardi trophy in the last five seasons. But the Niners are hoping to avenge their loss in Super Bowl 54. If it's Super Bowl 58, it's right here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Hey, back in the press box. It's Greg Salerno filling in for Tyler. Uh, on the phone now, we have the man. If you want to talk about hockey, you got to talk to this guy, especially in Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, the hockey guy. How are you, sir? I'm good, buddy. How you doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. So, uh... We have the Knights taking on the Oilers, who have now won 16 straight. Um, what are you looking at going to this game? I mean, how are the Knights going to fare, you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that this game's an interesting one. Obviously, you mentioned that the Edmonton Oilers could tie uh, the NHL record for consecutive <laughs> wins in a row if they are to beat the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. And then after that, it would be the lowly Anaheim Ducks uh, to have any chance of, of allow or, or of you know, breaking that uh, that streak for the Edmonton Oilers, and you all know how that's going to work. So, really, the the only thing that stands between the Oilers and the history books is the Vegas Golden Knights. And you know, last year, the only thing that stood between the Oilers and potentially a Stanley Cup championship was the Vegas Golden Knights. So, I think that this game is going to have a lot of intensity. I really do believe that the break did Vegas well. Uh, it, it's a team that played a lot of hockey. It's an older team uh, for sure. And, you know, I think that this is going to be a highly competitive game. I don't think it's a gimme for the Oilers by any stretch. Uh, when you're playing that well, you want to keep playing. The break probably came at the worst time for the Edmonton Oilers and the best time for the Vegas Golden Knights. So, I mean, obviously the Knights, you know, being defending champs, they're going to get everybody's best shot. Um, the season so far, I mean, they're not obviously not doing bad at all. Ryan, I am so oh, sorry. Here comes Tyler. I am so sorry, This guy Ryan. knows nothing about hockey, Tyler, by the way. Unbelievable what know. just happened. Hi, Ryan. How are you? <laughs> hey, buddy. I am well, so well, sorry. Can I finish my question, Tyler? No, Greg. It was a great question. Off. All right, fine. Right, go ahead. Go finish ahead. your question. I want to hear I was, it. I, I was just going to say, to this point in the season, how will you feel about the team versus last point last year at the same time? That's all I was going to ask. That's that's a good question. All right, all right thank go, you. go ahead, Ryan. I, I like that question. Yeah, I mean, last year at this time, the Golden Knights had two fewer points in the standings than they do this year. So, obviously, the Golden Knights are essentially as as consistent as they were last year. We all know when they came out of the bye week and the All Star break last year, they were pretty much unbeatable down the stretch. They found out how they could win games without Mark Stone. They kind of had things come together. They got healthier. And then, obviously, we all know what happened in the postseason. But, you know, I look at this year as very similar in terms of trajectory as last year. I think the Golden Knights found their game a little bit sooner this year than they did last year. We all remember they just could not buy a win going into the bye week and the All-Star break. They come out, they can't lose. Uh, in, in very similar ways, they were dealing with injuries. But I do think they kind of figured out their game a bit sooner this season. So we'll see if that pays dividends down the stretch. All right, Greg, that was a good question thank because you. it kind of sets up something I can ask Ryan. There you go, too. Tyler. So thank you, Greg. I, I appreciate Symbiotic that. Symbiotic relationship. I appreciate that. All right, Ryan, I got, I got uh, some stats for you. This time last year, one year ago, 
Aiden Hill had played 16 total games for Vegas, and he had a 9.07 save percentage. He had a negative goal saved above average. If you took his entire career until one year ago today, it was mm-hmm. 90 games, 9.08 save percentage, negative three goals saved above average. Since yeah. then, he's played 42 games in the regular season, the postseason, and again in this regular season. 42 games, 9.33 save percentage, plus 36 goals saved above average. Is he actually this good? Because this is like he's going to be in the Hall of Fame if he keeps doing this. That was my next question, um, by the way. Uh, it, will Aiden Hill be a Hall of Famer? We'll, that, we'll see that's how kind of the question right here, yes. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, like I, I think Aiden Hill, more or less, is a goaltender that needed some time to figure out what he needed to be inside of this system. We have talked about Bruce Cassidy's system being goalie-friendly. When the players are playing the way that they're supposed to, the save selection, the idea from Aiden Hill, what he has to do, where he has to be, that all truly becomes more predictable. Right? You know where the shots are coming from. You know what shots this team's going to allow. And for a bigger goaltender in Aiden Hill, who can still be athletic but wants to be in control in his crease, I do think that that plays to his strength. So what I think you have, and Greg just said it, symbiotic relationship, like you've got a goaltender <laughs> that plays well inside of this system. You have a system that suits the goaltender, and it took a little bit of time for that to kind of marry and, and work in the right direction. But right, right now for Aiden Hill, the best situation he's ever been in in his career. He's a Hall of Famer. That's what's happening here. He's, he's been a Hall of Famer for one year here, and if he keeps doing this, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Um, I did want to ask you, William Carlson presumably coming back tonight uh, against mm-hmm. Edmonton. Um, what do you make of their current line combinations? Because normally you'd say, all right, with no Jack Eichel, Carlson is their best center, but Nick Waugh, Barbashev, and Marshall, that line's been really good. What do you make of their current uh, construction and, and Carlson potentially still sticking on the third line despite Eichel being out? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the right play. Like, Nick Waugh has been so good alongside Barbashev and Marcia so that I don't think you mess with that, right? Like, you, you have a line that's cooking for you. You want to keep that going. Now, William Carlson has been on your third line essentially all season long. And what he does as a driver is he brings guys along. Like, Michael Amadio's never been better than when he's played alongside William Carlson. You can make the same argument for Paul Cotter, but I don't know if Paul Cotter is going to play up the lineup with Stevenson and Stone or stick with, you know, William Carlson and Michael Amadio on that line. I'd also like to see, frankly, Brendan Brisson get a couple of looks with a player like William Carlson who can drive things along. Does that work out tonight when you're going to expect, if Carlson plays, that he'll have the lion's share of his minutes against McDavid or Dreisaitl? Probably not, but maybe in the future that's something that you want to look at. I think the center depth has to be the biggest factor for the Golden Knights and right now if you can go Stevenson, Waugh, Carlson and then probably Howden on your fourth line I think you're as close to what you can be with Eichel out of the lineup down the middle and that balances what the Golden Knights need to rely on as they get through this stretch without Jack Eichel. All right more important than some weird hockey game against a team that's won 16 in a row. How was Disneyland? (laughs) Oh, I mean, it was awesome. Like, it's, it's magic, buddy. Like, it, it doesn't matter how many times you go. Disneyland's phenomenal. Uh, you know that I am a hater and a curmudgeon. Uh, of, of course. I like Disneyland. Galaxy's Edge is really cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my favorite. Yeah. Like, now, you're going with kids, though, right, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, for okay. sure. Yeah. His, his kids. Right, no, Not of course. random kids. He's just picking <laughs> up and walking in there with. Just find them in Anaheim. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, oh. No, like, okay, so so my kids, my kids are, like, all into the Star Wars thing, so, like, they love Galaxy's Edge. Um, but, I mean, like, the, the perfect, you know, the perfect land inside Disneyland is, like, New Orleans Square. You've got Pirates of the Caribbean. You've got Haunted Mansion. You've got, you know, Indiana Jones. Like, that's the classic stuff right there for me. The last time I went, which was last year, uh, we mm-hmm. ended up stuck waiting in the Pirates of the Caribbean line for uh, a li- little while longer than we wanted to be because some people just got up and walked out through the water. Oh, no. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, really quick story on Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, that is our all-time favorite ride. Like, there are better rides at Disneyland for sure, but none that quite capture the magic of Disney like Pirates of the Caribbean does. Uh, we went for two days. And we rode Pirates of the Caribbean seven times. That's a good number. That's a good number. Yeah, right. and and to be honest, like if you go at night, like when everyone's kind of like funneling out and getting their confections and trying to get all their shopping done before the park closes, you go at night. You can like you can just kind of go over and over and over again. We went three times in the last hour, our last day. It was pretty awesome. Oh, did you and I did we talk about Goofy's flight school before on this show? <laughs> we, we did, yeah. Okay, we stayed all right. away just, from that one. Just, you time. guys didn't go on it at all. No, 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 no. We, oh. we didn't do that. No. Okay, it's a great ride. You got to go on Goofy's flight school at least once when you're there. It's phenomenal. All right, Ryan. Um, enjoy uh, hockey being back tonight. Okay, Jared's running around. Yeah. Jared says, says hi. hi. By the way, I'm sorry that Tyler crashed our interview, Ryan. I wasn't planning on that happening. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? I had to talk to Tyler Bischoff today. I totally forgot about this. I'm on vacation mode still. Like, until the games start, I'm still thinking that I'm on vacation. So I I completely forgot about you guys today. Don't you have the BGK Insider Show today? No, no, we had one yesterday, but I'm still on vacation mode. Okay, all right, all right. He's Ryan Wallace, BGK Insider, also pre-post and intermission on Fox Sports Las Vegas now that the Golden Knights are back. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks, Ryan. Don't take your headset off, Greg. Where Sorry, my ears were hot. I don't know. Oh, your ears are hot? You can take it off. No, it's all right. It's all right. It's I don't fine. want your ears overheating. No, no, it's fine. I've been overheating all day. Okay. You just got it. It's, you've, been, you've been here for 40 minutes. Well, I did walk about 30 miles in between here and are you the still? Garage. Are you still walking too much? I Well, any walking's too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> you kidding? All right. We got tickets to give away. Two tickets to go see Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer. Nice. Go deep. Uh, they are at MGM Grand Garden on February 10th this weekend. 702-364-1100 is the phone number if you want to talk or talk if you want to go see Tom Segura and Bert Kreischer. Call in now 702-364-1100. Caller number seven at 702-364-1100. You're listening to the Press Box on ESPN Las Vegas. Greg Salerno sitting here with me. At Radio Row. Greg, what do you got hot takes on? Uh, let's see. Probably nothing we can talk about on here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little a little upset that my high score is not on the board anymore over there at the little football oh, that toss. Bounty wiped it away. I know. That's what happened. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I think they just uh, were embarrassed to have my name on there. I don't know what it was. I mean, if you want... A little bit of uh, inside information after you left yesterday. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell did it. Ooh, not your, good. Your score was higher than Aiden O'Connell's. <laughs> Dude, suit me up. Uh, we might need to. <laughs> there was also a guy yesterday at one point that was throwing with a backpack on. 
Really? For anyone that's aware, there's this big bounty set up. They've got yeah. little targets you can there's throw. There's, like, different throw size footballs. holes, yeah. and each hole is like worth a certain amount. Amount of points and all that. Yeah. You throw the little Nerf footballs yeah. into it. And Aiden O'Connell did it yesterday. did not go very well. Uh, Greg did, Greg was better than Aiden O'Connell yesterday. Wow. But also a guy was in a backpack throwing. And I was like, take the backpack off to, to throw. That seems like just 101, set the backpack down. Okay. And, but he didn't do very well either. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that would be – very cocky, I believe, as a person to do to that. To throw with the backpack You know, on. he's like, oh, I can win this with my backpack. Yeah. Maybe, you know. That and feels I'm like glad you sh- he failed. That feels like you show up to play, like, pick up basketball, and, like, some NBA player's there, and he's just like, all right, I'll play in one-on-one. <laughs> and leaves you win? His- no, he leaves his backpack and flip-flops on and still beats you. <laughs> he, like, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't, like, dribble inside well, the paint O'Connell, at O'Connell, you might win. You <laughs> might. You might. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know. It could happen. It could absolutely happen over there. So, yeah. Who, uh... You're, you're going to be on the show tomorrow? You're going to show up? Man, I'll tell you what. If well, I'm not even going to get into it. Yes, I will be here okay. tomorrow. All right. All right. Okay. Some of us get count, carried out here on Barker Loungers, and the other ones have to bring their own access units. So, uh, apparently. You should get your own Jared. <laughs> I know. I need to. Jared's the one who carries all the stuff that I would need. Get get a Jared. And then I you'll know. be good. You, you, are, one. you are the Jared. Apparently, I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm my own Jared. Yeah, so. that's not a good thing. I know. I don't well. even like having my Jared. <laughs> and you got some sort of Jared somehow inside of you. That's very scary. It is. Well, very let's, terrifying let's, over there. Yeah. No, let's not talk about the weekend then. Yeah, that's where he is. That's where he is. Um, all right. Uh, you're going to be here tomorrow. Who do you, who's winning the Super Bowl? We doing that now? All right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'll I mean, tell I'll you ask what. you again. Okay. No, that's fine. Uh, I'm going to say this. I'll say the uh, Niners have better skill position players. Niners have a better defense, sort of. The Chiefs have been really good. Uh, Niners have a much better roster. Niners, I think, have good coaching. I mean, Andy Reid, obviously, one of the all-time greats. But the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, and I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. Who, who are you cheering for? You're, oh, you're this. Chiefs. You are. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I want the Niners to catch on fire. I, I, I probably shouldn't say what I want to happen. <laughs> we're even concerned where Greg is a an Eagles fan. Yes, yes, Is yes. that simply from the Eagles playing the It's Niners? a lot of it, man, because okay. these guys talk more than any team I've ever – their media – their fans even talk. Like, it's crazy how much so, these guys talk. All right. That is kind of fascinating. Because, because I'm an Eagles fan? No, because last year the Eagles beat the 49ers. They lost the damn Super Bowl to the Chiefs, right. and you're still more annoyed by 49ers You know what, fans. though? Because you think we lost by the coverage after the game and the, the quotes from the play. You know, it's like if Brock Purdy was there, they would have won by 80 or whatever, you know? So it's like you can't win. I mean, you win and you still don't win, you know? I, I, I like that. You've got uh, some sort of healthy respect for the Chiefs, apparently. I do. I, well, I mean, look, again, I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes ever. So Ever. No, I mean, I'm always going to take the odds the other way. I mean, I mean he might lose once in a while, but I'm of, not going to bet against him. Of all the hot takes that I've given, the the worst one might end up being that I said about, I don't know, week 9 or 10, the Chiefs cannot win the Super Bowl. Because yeah, but I they think were, we, they we were, were all – I think all of us were saying that. that they point. were not that good. Dude, even going into the playoffs, they weren't. Yeah. I, the first game against the Bills, I thought they were going to not look that good. They lost, they lost the game to Aiden O'Connell who didn't complete a pass in the last three quarters of the game. Yeah, and then came here and didn't complete one here. Yes, <laughs> he looked like the bounty quarterback. That's what he did, and they, and they won a football. They beat the Chiefs doing that. I know, that. I know. And that team might win the Super Bowl. I, That might be the most wrong I've ever been in my life. Yeah, well, again, that's what I'm saying. Betting against Patrick Mahomes, I'm not doing it. It's, it's, it reminds me of, like, LeBron when he went to the finals, like, ten times in a row or whatever. It's like they're down in the series 3-2, and they're losing, and you're like, dude, I'm not betting against LeBron because they always would wind up winning. So. That's what it is. The the Chiefs are going to do to the AFC what 
what LeBron did to right. the Eastern Conference. What is Conference. it, six now? Six in a yeah, row? Six, well, yeah, six straight AFC. So you're allowed to beat them in the AFC Championship. Right. LeBron didn't even let you beat them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. You had to get them in the Finals. Right. So, like, you can beat the Chiefs, but it's only been, what, it's, it's Brady twice. Yeah, Burrow. And Burrow once, and that's right. it. Those are the only people that have ever yeah, beaten him in the postseason. Yeah, because even the game with Josh Allen that was back and forth, back and forth, they had like nine seconds left, and Mahomes won the yeah. game, whatever that was. So, yeah. 13 seconds. Right. Yeah, so. It was, it it was a lot of a little seconds. It happens, but, yeah, it's uh, – I don't know what I think. You really don't? I, I feel don't. Like I figured you'd be on the Chiefs for some reason. I, I mean, I – I think I'm going to find myself cheering for the Chiefs because, yeah. for whatever reason, I always end up cheering for Mahomes. Yeah. I think part of it's like, oh, this guy's the greatest that we're going right. to see, so I'm going to want to enjoy that. And it makes me cheer for people more when they, like, same thing again, not to bring up LeBron again, but when people, like, start hating somebody because they're good, it makes me like them more, you know, and I want to root for them. But I don't, but I don't, I don't know that I feel like they're going to, I don't know if they're going to win. Because, <sighs> yeah. again, they, they kind of sucked. Like for yeah. the for the Chiefs standards, like right. they were, they were a good team. They were never in danger of like missing the playoffs. Well, but they kind they kind of suck. Let me ask you this: Are you a guy that says Purdy made some mistakes and persevered, or he got lucky? Because I feel like he could oh, have he threw that lucky. game away, right? I he mean, he threw a ball off the safety's yes. helmet, and then they, I, you and it was a touchdown, like seven yards. To that catch was him. that was an interception that right. turned into like a okay. sixty. I just want I just want to see if we're on the same page the, with that. Now, all right. The funniest part about Purdy, last year I was absolutely a Purdy hater. Right. And I blame Danny because Danny came in from day one when he played. It was like, this is him. This is the rookie of the year. It's like, shut up, Danny. <laughs> and he was almost right. But um, but I've come around on Purdy simply because of how hilariously entertaining the last two weeks have been. Because regular season 49ers was they play really well and the fourth quarter is irrelevant because they're up by three scores. And gotcha. they, they did not have a fourth quarter game-winning drive. In the entire regular season, which is insane because the NFL has so many close games. They're going to do it on accident. Right. Did not do it once. Last two weeks, he's been terrible for three quarters and then got it, guys. We're close. We're winning the game. Yeah. I find that to be hilarious that he's the exact opposite of what they've been the entire regular season. I just want him to lose. I want the Raiders. I mean, the Niners lose so bad. I mean, the funny part is if you don't like the Niners, if they win this game and they're still a couple years out from this decision – but they're going to be sitting here being like, do we need to give Brock Purdy $50 million a year? I hope so. And we all know that's a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hope they do. But, like, I guess if they lose, they could do it too. But, like, they're probably going to, right? If they lose the Super Bowl next year, they're back in the NFC Championship game, I and whether they him. win it or not. Dude, I think they'll give him a Hurts contract. I think they probably do too. And that that's the funniest part of this is that it's going to be, does Brock Purdy get $55 million <laughs> a year? And we're all going to be like, we all know he's not that good, right? Right. What's happening there? But <laughs> that's probably what's going to happen, and it's going to be fun. So Greg Salerno might be here tomorrow, might not be. We'll oh, see I'll be here. If he makes it from the parking garage Yeah, well, that's not. one thing. If I'm winded, I might stop halfway, and you'll see you at 10. <laughs> Greg Salerno, thank you for filling in for a little bit. We're back tomorrow on Radio Row. Thanks.